Hi, thank you for joining with us. And today we're going to begin uh, the second chapter of Ephesians in our study of the Hour of Grace in the book of Ephesians. I had suggested last uh, session that maybe you can take a few minutes, about seven minutes, and read chapter one and chapter two in one setting to uh, continue to make this connection and see how these uh, the thoughts from chapter one work in this very important second chapter. So if you haven't done that, you want to take a minute right now, you could, and uh, we'll continue uh, with this chapter. For this chapter, the title I'd like to suggest to you is Formerly Now. In this uh, passage, especially in the first 10 verses here, we're going to see uh, what the Ephesian believers were and what they are now, formerly now. And so we look at verse uh, 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who now works in those who are disobedient. And so in the, in the first verse, we're going to talk about being dead spiritually. Now, as we talk about this, uh, this is a very important thought. You notice that Paul says, by your transgressions and sins, or in your transgressions and sins. It can, it can be both in your transgressions and sins, or by your transgressions and sins. And sometimes there's an ambiguity in certain words that sort of allow flexibility, and I think maybe both thoughts are there. We are in our transgressions and sins, and it's by our transgressions and sins that we are spiritually dead. We are responsible. We have a sin nature, but each person is responsible for their own uh, transgressions and sins. And we'll see also that uh, these two words, kind of, we have this hendiades again, I mentioned before, we have, we have two words that have similar thoughts, but a little distinct, you put them together to kind of get a big picture. And so the one word has the idea of, of stumbling, and the second one has the idea of to miss the mark, like an archer that uh, shoots an arrow and misses off the mark in quite a ways. This idea of transgression, of stumbling, of sinfulness. And Paul says, because of this, the Ephesian believers, remember, you were dead. And when he says here, as for you, and in really in the original language, it says, you being dead. You were in a constant state of death by or in your transgressions and your sins. This was a reality. The reality of death, this continual state of spiritual death, spiritual death. You know, remember the story of the prodigal son uh, when he had left and the father thought he was gone for good and squandered his money and was living in a whole different area in the context. And he returned home and he was so surprised to see him and rejoicing. And the older son was angry and, and jealous. And the father says, hey, our son was dead. And now he's alive. And so this idea of being disconnected, of, of death, of this is spiritual death. Paul says, you Ephesians, having lived in this constant state of spiritual death, we're going to, of course, see what God has done in bringing them salvation, grace, mercy, and love. But spiritual death, death is death. This is a very serious thought, this idea of spiritual death. Hence, we talk about spiritual life. A dead person cannot commune, communicate with the living. It's not possible. And neither can a spiritually dead person communicate or commune 
with the living and holy God because of sin and transgression. As the Bible makes very clear, is a reason for our separation from God. What does spiritual death look like? We come back here to verse 2. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. What does spiritual death look like? Paul says, you used to live this way. And the word he uses here is actually a word that Paul uses quite a bit. We find it in the New Testament, and Paul uses it quite a bit. This idea of, uh, it really means to walk around, peripatel, to walk, to walk around. And it becomes the idea of how we live, how we walk our life, if you will, our, our, our daily walk. And so you'll see this quite often in the older translations that will often use the word walk. And, of course, it has the idea of live. And Paul says, you used to walk around, you live. This was your constant way of living in the state of the spiritual death uh, in your transgressions and your sins. He says, secondly, that it was according to the, and literally it's the age of the cosmos, age of the world. Now, we saw this word. We're going to see some words here in this chapter that we've already seen in chapter 1. And so, remember, there's no chapter break. This is a continual uh, letter. And so, they would see maybe these connections. And not, not, the break wouldn't affect that. Remember, we saw the age in this age and the age to come, talking about the supremacy of Christ. We saw that in chapter 1 already. And here, this idea, this interesting phrase, the age of this world, the age of this cosmos. And, and so the idea of the, the values uh, of this world. Paul says, you used to live your life completely under the values of this world, the age of this cosmos, this age where there is sinfulness and separation from God. And then he also goes on to say, according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air. This, this is one of the titles that Satan has. We believe this is Satan. The word Satan is not used here, but I think the context makes it clear. We're talking about a spiritual entity uh, and Satan. Satan is not just a word for evil. Uh, Hasatan in the Hebrew means the adversary. And uh, But we have this personification that this is a real being. Uh, Peter talks about uh, your adversary, the devil, who goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It's a it's a real being, and and Paul says he's he's the prince, or the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The second I have a verse there in Second Corinthians, and in, in chapter four, and in verse four, we see another a very similar thought here for Satan. Where Paul says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Notice he says the God of this age, it's a small g, um, the spiritual being of this age. Jesus Christ is going to be supreme over all of this age and the age to come. Here we have that word again. So, so for the, the, the Ephesian believers, Paul says, remember, being dead in your sins and transgressions, this is how you lived. And you lived under the influence of the prince of the heir of Satan. And then he goes on to say that, um, I also wanted to note that he talks about this, this Satan, this, this prince of the heir having rule and authority. Now it's interesting, these are another words we saw from chapter 1. In chapter 1, in verse 21, or verse 20, he raised him 
from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. The Christ is over all the spiritual beings, and yet we see here that Satan still has a certain element of rule and authority as prince of the air, subject to God's will and God's sovereign plan, but we see that same word there. And that, uh, of course, eventually that is going to be done away with forever when Satan is forever uh, put away and, 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 uh, and no longer has that impact. But uh, right now he is called the prince of the air. And he, has, he has rule and authority still underneath God's sovereign rule and authority. What does spiritual death look like? Let's go on in, in verse 3. All of us. Now you notice the switch here from you to us. Earlier we see in verse 1, as, as for you, and then again he says, you follow the ways. And then we have us here. Some see in this possibly a, a connection that the you are the Gentiles, and the us would be the, the Jews as well, that Paul would include his fellow Jews along with these Gentiles. Part of that reason is we do see this later on. We do clearly see a distinction that Paul making this point in verse 11, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles and called uncirc uncircumcision. So clearly he's going to say a word of the Gentiles. And then also in verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God. Seems again being a, speaking to the Gentiles. In these first three verses then, some see that. I'm not so sure. It could be or it may just be the author's way of saying, you know, you, and then including himself uh, when, when he says, in verse 3, all of us live this way. There's no distinction. All of us live this way. That's a possibility either way, and it'd be uh, some more, get some more thought to that. But, but what does spiritual death look like? Paul says, first of all, gratifying the, the, the cravings of the sinful flesh. We see the word flesh twice in this verse. It's the Greek word sarks. And um, it is interesting that Paul, you might want to read Romans, uh, the first half of the book of Romans, and uh, you'll, you will see this, but there's something about the flesh that Paul identifies uh, with sin. Um, you know, I can't, you know, where is it, you know, in the flesh? But there's something about the flesh that becomes identified with our sinful nature. And, of course, in the resurrection, we're going to have a, as we talked about in our last session, a, a new body, a spiritual body, a resurrected body that will no longer be influenced by sinful flesh. It will be done away with. The Lord Jesus Christ came in human flesh, the God-man, the incarnation. But he had no sin in his flesh because he never sinned. Um, we have sin in our flesh. And Paul says, you live this way, gratifying the, cra the cravings of the sinful nature, and then also following his desires and his lusts. And then that's why Paul will use the word uh, slave. He said, you were slave to sins, now you're free in the book of Romans. So therefore, don't live like you're slave to sin anymore. Live what you are, that you are free. And then he says, you're children of wrath. That's strong language. Paul says, you're children, you were children of wrath because of your sin, your transgressions, your, your stumblings, and you're missing the mark, your sins, and your sin nature. And you were, you were children of wrath. He's talking about what they were uh, before they were saved by God's grace. What does spiritual death look like? Let's look at the big picture. We talked about that. We look at these three verses. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We saw in verse 2 that, that the, this prince, the, the power of the air, 
who is now at work. We saw that work. That's our word energeo, energy. We saw that in chapter 1, that God's energy raised Christ from the dead and has given us life. That God exerted his energy. And here is Satan exerts his energy and is at work in those who are disobedient. So again, we see some of these words from uh, the first chapter that we see here in this second chapter. What does it look like to be spiritually dead? We lived according to the values of this world, the, the age of this cosmos, the values of this world. Secondly, we walked under the influence, we lived under the influence of the prince, the power of the air. That's interesting, those, those titles, the, the power and authorities we saw that, that he has, that God has allowed him to have uh, still uh, in this domain of our world. And then we see that we were captive in Ephesians. These, these are all true of us too. We were captive to the, to the desires. We were slaves or servants of the sinful flesh. This is the state of spiritual death that these Ephesians, and for us too, that we were in before we experienced God's grace, love, and mercy. And I just want to put this last one up there. So this reminds you, this is strong language. Uh, you know, we don't get a, we don't get a choice of, of what we want to talk about and preach about. This is and in order to we're, we're going to come to Ephesians two eight nine, one of the best known passages that that many of us have memorized. For by grace are you saved, but God and rich in His love and mercy, we're going to see these wonderful thoughts. As, as I prepared this lesson, we are a couple days away from Good Friday, the cross at Calvary, and in order to appreciate. The cross of Calvary, we have to walk this path of understanding the, the depth and the horror of sin and separation from God of spiritual death. Dead is dead. A dead person cannot make themselves alive. Death is death. And the Bible says that apart from Christ, we are spiritually dead. Now, this is what, of course, prepares our hearts for Easter morning to celebrate the miracle of the resurrection, life victorious over death, that we are then able to have that spiritual life that God will give us through our Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to walk this path to get there. So we're going to end right here today. And it is a very strong passage and a very powerful passage, but it's in the Bible. And in order to understand the rest of chapter 2, and the beauty of what God is going to do in creating a new people for himself, the church, the body of Christ, where Jew and Gentile come together as one apart from any works of the Mosaic Law, we do have to understand where we all come from and where they came from. And uh, so we're going to see that and continue. Uh, this concludes our Hour of Grace for this week, four 15-minute sessions. I'm going to have one more session this week. Uh, I said I would answer if there's going to be any questions. i got a few questions that came in. I'd like to take a few minutes, so we'll add that. One more lesson, and then we will continue next week. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, thanks for joining with this study.